it's um so speaking of um lscsw licensed specialist clinical social clinical worker. social worker right so counselor and licensed specialist is that correct do you also take the title of counselor uh no like okay. uh, I'm, a, I'm a clinical social worker might be the easiest way to say it like um some some states use different uh initials like missouri yeah. it's just lcsw kansas decided to be extra special and, and add specialists uh, <laughs> now, so. cool well that's helpful Welcome to the Power Take Live, where we discuss strategic revenue growth for your brand and business. My name is Jackson Callum. I'm your host, and we look forward to talking about what's important for your business today. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome into Vision Pros Live. You guys just got a sneak peek into the Power Take. One of the things that you may notice today is that I'm here without my trusty sidekick, Jaime who definitely has family priorities to go to. So I was like, you know what? This is a late show. I'm going to go ahead and run it myself with Mr. Reggie Jackson. So Reggie, thank you so much for being here today with me. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Nice to uh, nice to jump on here with you. Oh, absolutely. So Reggie is a, is a licensed, specialized clinical social worker who is able to help entrepreneurs with overcoming some of what I would call the mind trash. Um, some of the baggage that comes into life and overcome some failures. We had a great conversation last week about what types of communication tools entrepreneurs can turn to. And we're just going to dive in a bit deeper today. Sure, sure. Yeah. So Reggie, thanks. Thanks again for being here. And um, where did your background uh, cross intersections with entrepreneurship? Um, I would say uh, after I get, get um, into doing therapy and counseling and things like that. I started out um, as a contractor for for a, um, a therapist here in Kansas City. And after working for her for several years, I had the idea of um, starting my own practice and um, went from there with minimal knowledge. I thought I knew some things, Jackson, and I really didn't know a whole bunch. So that's kind of where the where the the business aspect of, of being a business owner and a practice owner kind of jumped off at. That's fair. All right. So what are some of these, uh, what are some of these lessons that you learned? Oh man. One is, uh, I think the biggest thing that, um, I, the first big lesson I learned was it's impossible to get everything done every day as far as, operations and making sure you're checking off all your boxes. You can do as many to-do lists as you want. There may be some times where you don't get everything done and you have to get be able to sit with that. Of course, you got to hit it the next day when you get up. But it's if you're trying to balance family, life, whatever, it's, it's going to be a time where you have to say, okay, this is not... I'm okay with this this part not being finished today. I like that. Um, truth, man. And, uh, you know, some people would call it not finishing. Some people would call it failure. Um, mm -hmm. Some people would call it not hitting your goals. 
um, you know, not not even not procrastinating, putting mm -hmm. things off. There's a lot of labels, um, yeah. you know, that we can we can add to the pie. So, um, you know, we were going to talk about what what gets revealed when we as people fail and, and how to bounce back on that. I say we dive into that first. So when when we fail, what would you say? What's your secret here, Reggie? What is it that we reveal about ourselves? Um, I think it reveals our what the grit we have about ourselves. I think it also reveals. Um, I think one thing about failure, especially if anybody out there is like me, and and you're not gonna just after the first failure stop going after what you desire, is that you uh, you learn like different ways to implement your system, figuring out things you need to look at from a different perspective. You may realize failure sometimes means I need to outsource this part of my business or I need to spend a little bit more to make sure I have things running the way I want them to. And um, I think part of failure is uh, a big thing I learned was if you are doing the things you envision, or at least for me, it was like you're not going to be able to do it on your own. So mm -hmm. part of failure is learning to trust folks. Um, if you want to continue to expand, <laughs> expand what you want to be doing, you know, and uh, you got to trust your, your accountant. You got to trust your bookkeeper. You got to trust your virtual assistant, all those things. And, um, figure out how to to believe in those folks and train those folks that, so that you can have the best opportunities to be successful. I am really glad you hit on all that. Those are things that I honestly, I take for granted. Um, I, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 21. That's 15 years now. Yeah. And I remember now that you mentioned it, I remember how scared I was to give somebody access to my LinkedIn account for the first time yeah yeah, yeah. Man, this is going to destroy me if they do start. like no yeah. <laughs> you know like now i can laugh about it but you know the worst case scenarios were very difficult to imagine when i was brand new at business yeah. and you know trying to be ready for that what i'm going to do real quick i'm going to play our intro for us one more time Okay. And we're going to come right back in on that subject of trust and delegation and how to make that happen. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up, Vision Pros? Welcome into Vision Pros Live. Those who are you here with us right now, make sure to like, comment, uh, and share this episode. It gets it out there further. I got a special guest named Reggie Jackson. He is a licensed clinical social worker and helps people with their relationships, helps people bounce back from their failures. We had a great time talking last week. I was like, you know what? He's got a, a number of unique perspectives that I know will be super helpful for the entrepreneurs who are listening in. So without further ado, I'm going to bring him back on and we're going to pick up where we were just talking. So Reggie, thanks for being here again today. And uh, what are you most excited to talk about on our show today? Um, I think one thing is entrepreneurs put an incredible amount of stress on themselves. And uh, I 
I don't know if anybody else has had this experience, but some sleepless nights. So uh, uh, managing anxiety and um, just maintaining some form of wellness with your mental health as you pursue your dreams is is an important um, concept for for folks to experience. I've I've worked with a couple of several business owners over years and um, the amount of stress they put on themselves to perform, as you understand, Jackson, is is incredibly high. Um, and Absolutely. so, there's there's a price to pay for that if we're not careful and we're not practicing uh, taking care of ourselves. Oh, you mentioned it. You said there's a price to pay um, if we're not there. I mean, there's a price to pay either way. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you're coming into the entrepreneurship world and you think it's all fun games and candy, mm-hmm. uh, that's not any entrepreneurship I know. Um, but can it be managed better? Yes. And you talked about it. So in 30 seconds, let's look at the bright, shiny horizon of that, Reggie mm-hmm. Jackson. What is your vision for your clients? I like them to just be moving towards... Uh, some some positive steps in their lives and it ended up on, a, on a, almost a daily basis i always tell my clients uh coming to therapy is like working out if you're just working out for this hour per week you're not gonna see very many gains and so part of part of the work with your wellness and and mental health is um doing things consistently as far as maybe doing a journal prompt or practicing some gratitudes or affirmations. Yeah. Um, So catching the vision of the daily. And then what would you say, like, what's the outcome on the other side that, you know, let's, I don't know, six months, six weeks, six years down the road. What are you hoping these entrepreneurs um, are in a position to feel and do? Hopefully have a little more space in their, in their brains to create. Um, Mm -hmm. figuring out different ways to manage your systems. Um, You know, as we, if you are familiar with meditation and things like that, the relaxation and and of your central nervous system and learning how to breathe and learning how to quiet your mind for a little bit, that allows space for creativity and ideas to come in, you know, and if we got all these different fires, we feel like we got to put out all the time or stressing over getting, uh, you know, meeting um, bank ro- or payroll and things like that. That level of stress detracts from our ability to create, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs, that's one of our gifts is our ability to create, think outside the box or in my mind, what box, but um, mm-hmm. how to to manage those things in the healthiest way possible. And, you know, the ripple effect of yeah. um, stress on us means projecting that onto our, our kids and our family members and, and friendships and straining those things. And so being able to know how to say, all right, uh, you know, at whatever time I'm, I'm getting off today or, or stopping for the day, I'm taking my entrepreneur hat off and I'm putting my boyfriend hat on or husband hat on or dad hat 
and kind of letting letting that other piece sit for you know at least some time and if that means after a bit the kids get to sleep and you go work for a couple more hours that's cool too but um, having some focused time with the people who care about you and love you and support you most importantly um, is is uh, is an important mm. to this whole process yeah you know know a lot of beneficial truths about balance in there um, and one of the things we were talking about just a minute ago was um, what gets revealed when we fail and how to bounce back. And you alluded to basically self-awareness. Um, that's what I caught out of it was one, when you're going through a process of failure, you have an opportunity to become self-aware of how you got there, um, yeah. what drove that. So um, what are some of the what are some of the key tools to help that stressed entrepreneur who's, you know, got tons of anxiety. Um, they're worried about all the irons that are in the fire. How do you, how do you get them to take a step back? You mentioned journaling for one. What are some other ways to get, like, let's say somebody's not even ready for that. Um, you know, like they're just, how do you get them to wake up and see where they need to slow down? That's a good one. Or where they can, where they can get their next victories. If that's, maybe it's not to slow down. It may be part of that, Jackson, is probably re-identifying or re-assessing um, what victories look like. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is a lot of times we want to just see the goal come to fruition. And at least in my experience, there's lots of micro goals that I accomplish. But um, I would oh, and let me throw this out there. If you have a perfectionist mindset, that is a that's a losing game. Um, a lot of us are everything has to be perfect and right, and that's just not going to be. You may have some some opportunities to do things where it, it feels like you did it perfectly, but those those instances are going to be few and far between, and so those making micro goals for yourself and looking at how that's leading to your your major goal i think is an important skill so as Mm -hmm. it's uh redefining what success looks like success may be like i met these quarterly goals but some people are only looking at their yearly goal so maybe two out of the four quarters you met your goal those should be celebrated as successes. And then I need right. to figure out how to make four out of four quarters next year or what have you. Not that, um, you know, I only met, I met half my, my goals. And so my year is, is trash. And that's, right. that's, a, um, that's a thing called all or nothing thinking. It's, it's a thought distortion um that that people we all of us may struggle with i always tell people um all or nothing thinking is like that kid in in middle school that threw a fit if they got a 97 on their test it's like if they didn't get a hundred percent they got they failed and that's uh that's an unhealthy mindset to to look at to have um especially being entrepreneurs right we're not. It's a long-term game, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, sorting through 
being able to pull out positive things you did and not making it um, kind of siloing things instead of just saying, yeah. you know, uh, I only got 50% of my goals for the year. But, yes. Let's take a look at one of these quotes that you just talked about. So entrepreneurs will benefit from reassessing what victory looks like. You talked about defining success. Um, one of my clients from a year and a half ago, they had a business partner and they're, they were targeting the real estate industry. Um, mm -hmm. And we, uh, through some assessments, we learned that she knew nothing about the real estate industry. She didn't know their key performance indicators. She didn't know how to train them. She didn't know what it was they wanted in life. Sure. Um, you know, and so was she, was it a bad goal? No, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, would it have been a bad victory to achieve? No. Was there anything unethical about it? No, not from a goal perspective. Yeah. But it was super misaligned with what she needed to be doing to find success and to feel purposeful and to maximize mm -hmm. her talents. So, that that process of redefining what success looks like there are many of you out there who have set goals based on your uh, providers and what your providers want or maybe based on what one or two people on your team want versus what's best for everybody um i think that's super yeah. wise so thank you for that reggie um let's take a look at your vision um so yeah. for your life for your practice um what's your vision uh, the big the big elevator version in 15 seconds and then we'll dive into the details um, the big vision is, uh, this may sound cliche, but really supporting people in um, building healthier lifestyles. And um, there is, there's so many dynamics that need to be fleshed out when we're doing that and supporting folks. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if, if we could have like a ripple effect of if I can support clients and of course making sure i'm healthy as well that reverberates to their networks and ecosystems too and it's, it may sound a little um idealistic but um, from the work i've done over the years uh it is challenging for people out here it's tough right now you know and we're just yeah. getting over a pandemic and um being able to, as I'm supporting people, I'm also helping to build this vision of what I have goals for myself, you know, and yep. my, my kids and my family and what I want to see for them. I think as I've gotten older, I realize like I've spent a lot of years kind of like chasing money. And what we, I don't want my kids to have that mindset, like these ideas of materialistic items and, and not supporting them and just being able to say, what do you want to do with your life that adds value to your life, not material things to your life. And I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's about, um, doing what you love and not caring about as much about the impact of our financial system and things like that. I don't want them to be financially illiterate by any means, but I don't want this. If, what would happen if we focus on 
just doing what we loved and not doing something because we've been told we got to exist in a system where everything is transactional and we got to pay for this and we got to have cool cars and a nice house and all these cool things, cool clothes. And yep. so being able to uh, exist in life and just work on taking care of yourself um, in a in the best way you can. And yeah. and things will come in naturally if you do that. Letting it like the right. universe send you bring you things instead of you going out and trying to snatch them all the time. Absolutely. So I noticed an array of services um, at Satori uh, mm -hmm. from batteries intervention programs, anger management, emotional regulation to counseling service such as anxiety, anxiety, trauma, counseling, family counseling, mm -hmm. et cetera. Do you also do family counseling? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, that's what I had thought. I just wanted to make sure to be careful with the, the license titles. Um, I know some industries can be a stickler about that, but um, the, you know, from anger management to batteries interventions program uh, to uh, the family counseling, overcoming anxiety and all of that, which one, which one is, uh, which one do you get the most passionate about? Ooh. I, I have a history of working with athletes. So I really enjoy that because I grew up being an athlete. Uh, families are big. Um, there's there's uh, so many dynamics that go on along with them, but probably my biggest thing right now is working with couples. I've had my own challenges in relationships over the years and um, supporting. We're both, we're both divorced, so I get yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. um, and then supporting men as well because of uh, we. We, and we kind of deserve it. We, we are exploring <laughs> patriarchy and things like that in this society. We we want to continue to, we don't have a lot of opportunities to be vulnerable. We've been taught there's words for men who are vulnerable and things like that, you know? So um, supporting men and being the best version of themselves in relationships and also in their business ventures and things like that as well is probably where I've done the most work at. And um, there's so many uh, like blocks that I, I work with men. And I would tell you, Jackson, probably I would feel very comfortable saying 90% of the men that I work with, if they do get emotional in a therapy session, they apologize. And it's like, why are you apologizing for, you know, for, being hurt sure. and, and experienced because we've been told you can't do that, you know? Right. So, um, I know women who do that too, but I, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and so I can only imagine the magnification, magnification that exists with the men you're working with. Um, yeah. It's, it's right. I, I, I would say a lot of my, a lot of my clients and prospects as we get to know each other, we also have tearful conversations um, that come up and, and I tend to make pretty good space for that. But it is definitely more rare that a male um, finds himself willing to be that vulnerable mm -hmm. and express, you know, what's truly going on underneath the hood. Yeah. And so many of us have not been taught uh, healthy ways to uh, express ourselves in relationships. And um, 
been taught anger is the pat is is the only acceptable emotion we can experience. Mm. And so so sorting through with men how to build emotional intelligence and, and things like that is it's fun. And you know, I can I'm like I call myself a dude's dude, you know, like I'm a therapist, but I also I understand uh, I always tell people I didn't know I was going to be a therapist until I was a therapist, you know, like yeah. I've done a lot of dumb shit in my day. And so <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to not get in too much trouble and, and figured it out as I matured, you know, so yeah. um, coming to folks. I was going to say that too. So like people, you know, you, you, while you've been divorced, right. And somebody mm -hmm. might give us a hard time about that. Imagine that there's a, you know, everybody's got a car and everybody's going oh, perfectly wait, straight. Wait. Hold on. I'm sorry. Oh, what's well, up? Go ahead. Are you still there? Yes. You got me? Oh, so yeah, imagine everybody's driving straight. Nobody's turned the wheel left or right. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and you turn the wheel right and you end up crashing the car. Uh, you're, you're going to have some insight into telling people like, yo, don't do that. You know, don't, don't make that, you know, don't make Absolutely. that right turn that way. So there's, there's wisdom from those who are obedient exactly and do things mm -hmm. perfectly through life. I guess there's somebody like that out there beyond Jesus. Um, yeah. And then there's those of us who made mistakes and we got some wisdom packed in us too. So I'm, I'm much more inclined to listen to you and say, what did you learn Absolutely. during that hard time, Reggie? And to continue with oh, that, uh, that metaphor, um, oh, I'm sorry, there it is. Um, we, I'm not going to judge you for crashing a car either because I've crashed my car. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so I'm not going to give you a hard time about that. Like, and, and so that is something I, I, um, I want people to understand too. And, and I really... Try. I think one of my superpowers is not making people feel judged um, in the um, in the um, therapeutic setting, and so that allows for freedom to to share. Um, people he's muting us people who is reggie you got somebody in the background giving yeah. a little bit of a hard time you want to take care of that yeah i'll uh i'll let you do that for a minute and uh we will we'll just take a little break while you get that sorted out Mutant us, but he's not here. All right, we getting it? Yeah, Let's if see you here. Give while, me one more second. Sure. While that's getting yeah. sorted out, um, I was going to talk about this thing called the Power Wheel. Um, and I'm going to see if I can find it online because Reggie and I were talking Power Wheel of Emotions, it might be called. Um, it's something that he's working on improving right now. Um, it might be called the Power Wheel of Control. Let me see if I can put, there it is. I got one. Um, we were talking about the need for improvement in relation to the system. So I'm going to pull Reggie back on in just a minute after I pull the wheel up, take a little bit of a deep dive on it. So we're just going to go to fancy Google images here 
and pull it up. And what it talks about is physical, it talks about violence. Um, and in relation to violence, there's different things that people try to utilize in order to ultimately gain power and exert control over somebody. Uh, but they are, they're toxic behaviors that, that shouldn't be utilized. Um, and in order to, in my opinion, in order to unlearn bad habits, you also have to learn healthy habits of communication that you can use to overcome those two. So let me bring Reggie back up here. And uh, Reggie, you good? Yeah. All right, perfect. Um, so I dove into the power wheel a little bit on my own. We were talking about the, the new model that's needed for, for upgrading that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. The power and control wheel, it was started by the Duluth model um, in, the, in the early 80s. Um, I've been trained in the Duluth model, um, and these basically are the eight different things. I interviewed um, hundreds of women, and those were the eight um, categories of, um, that those women shared that were common strategies for not just abuse, but practicing power and control in, in relationships. And so... Um, I've, I've worked in that, um, in that industry of, of working with folks with, um, uh, perpetrators of abuse for about 15 years. And so like we, we talked about before Jackson things like there was no social media before in the eighties or there's, you know, and there's was no cell phones in the eighties. And so having right. to do some pivots on how um, we go about supporting folks in, in um, managing abuse and relationships um, is something that, that I've been kind of innovating here over the last few years as I, I learned that um, there's different ways that abuse happens in relationships. And it's not just that um, I would say the the model, the Duluth model, is more set for someone who is basically maybe has a, has a maybe a personality disorder or something, or just get gets off on hurting hurting people or their partner, you know. Um, and there are things such as situational couples violence and things like that, where uh, someone may have. Uh, mental health issues, substance abuse issues, maybe don't have, they just are poor communicators and struggle to manage their emotions. I'm not saying I want to be super clear. I'm not saying those are reasons for people to be abusive because for every one of those guys or people, there's many more that have those struggles and don't abuse their partners. So I'm not, I'm not making excuses for those things at all. But I am saying that um, there, there's many different perspectives to how people become abusive or practice abuse in relationships. Um, sure. And, and so, I, can, I can speak a little more freely to that because I don't have the licensing problem mm -hmm. issue. And, and, you know, you can agree to disagree with it as well, right? Of course, um, you know, but I will say that what I see with entrepreneurs, too, is they practice a lot of abusive behaviors with their employees, with their team members, mm -hmm. with their family members, not to the degree of criminal offense, right. um, but to the degree that they're hurting their relationships. 
Um, and if somebody doesn't know how to, um, you know, recognize what it is that they're doing, um, mm -hmm. then it becomes, again, very hard to know, well, how do I change a habit if I don't know I have the habit? Yeah. And how do I change it if I don't know what to change it to? We, yeah, we, uh, do you know of any resources, books, or anything we can recommend to people? I would, um, honestly, I will have to follow up with you on that. There's some, some trainings and things that people could go to, but I think, uh, exploring are you, if you are the leader of an organization, um, are you operating from an oppressive position? Do you have the mindset of, I'm in charge, so everyone underneath me has to do what I tell them to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think anyone who's innovative in um, their thinking about running an organization, there's going to be people on your team that have skills that you don't have. And if you're not slowing down to hear their ideas um, or at least exploring them, um, then you have to, that, that's just, I think that's poor foresight into being the best leader you can be, you know? You know um, what, I'll, I'll give an even further level up um, example of that. So you're right. Uh, you got to look at how do you operate as a leader, mm -hmm. um, right? And obviously, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's pretty obvious for our audience. If you are controlling people, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be leading for very long Yes. Um, and you're not going to be leading a very strong army either because only people who are willing to be subordinate mm -hmm. are willing to be controlled in that nature. But let's say you take it to that next level and you learn to make space for people. What I see often happen with uh, visionaries, entrepreneurs, when it comes to their meetings, they don't know how to run an effective meeting. Mm -hmm. that includes the minds of those who are contributing. So here's what that looks like. How do you how do you run a meeting where you then create space for people to contribute? Number one, you have to have your agenda outlined. Okay, if you've got an agenda outlined and if you provide that agenda, I'm doing it myself while I talk. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just a creature of habit. Um, then that gives people a decent insight into what the structure of the meeting is going to be about. However, if you don't make space for those who are arriving to that call to say, hey, uh, Reggie, what do you want to contribute to the meeting agenda today? Yes. Um, then you're you're doing what's called steamrolling. Mm -hmm. um, right. You're making your agenda more important than the other human being in the process. And if you do that to people over and over and over where you make your agenda the one that matters, that is a abusive form of communication yeah. that leaves you being the only person who's contributing to the growth of your vision. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I like that idea. I, I'm um, of the school of thought of more think tanks and coming up with ideas together. Of course, there's some foundational stuff that you as a person, as a leader has to, to maintain. But when you're trying to innovate and come up with systems and being the most effective you can, if you're not listening to what the people you work with say, not only listening, valuing their opinion so that you can expand your, your knowledge. I think um, I've been doing a lot of like 
studying on just differences in the different gen or generations. So, you know, we got, of course, our baby boomers, but mm-hmm. um, the Gen Zers, the Zen, Gen Xers, and the millennials, we're I'm old enough to know, like, I don't think like those guys. (laughs) Like, it makes me feel old as hell, too. Like, oh, man, I'm that guy now. Um, But I I can say that maybe I don't agree with all the ways they operate, but their ability to create and be efficient, I believe, is second to none. Um, Hmm. We may frame that as being lazy like we got chat gpt and things like that and all this ai stuff and folks are using that and and maybe us gen xers are saying oh you're being lazy and not really digging in and doing the creative work meanwhile they got tons of content put out there you know like, <laughs> and, yep. and we're like uh yeah but it's not creative but yeah they got their next two months of content planned out and we're still grinding through it, you know? And oh, so yeah. um, being willing to incorporate people and, and I think as a leader, part of our, our job is to um, be able to recognize um, people's skill sets and maybe even morph them into different, we may have a title of a position that they're in but it's like, oh, this person's really good at this, even better than what we hired them for. So let's maybe co-create a new position for them right. or, or, or you know, figure out a way to utilize their skills the best you can. It's helpful. It's helpful to realize. And you, you don't need to be an entrepreneur with access to Gallup studies and, mm-hmm. you know, super disc assessments and yada, Myers-Briggs and all that. Right. That's over your head. Don't worry about it. What you, what all of that teaches you to listen, yes. right? And create space for people to communicate. And they don't always know, but if you can remain flexible, um, you know, and, and talking to them, help them realize like, okay, like I, I think from what I've seen, Gen Xers, uh, Gen Z, uh, they don't like to be boxed in. Yeah, for sure. Very much. And so if you've got, you're trying to put them into one position and title, especially in a smaller company, I mean, mm-hmm. they're bright. They know that you need more than that. Yeah. They know that you're yeah. going to ask more than that too. So you might as well expand the relationship a bit and help them see that you appreciate their mm-hmm. adept nature to recognize like, oh, there's, there's other things here I could be doing for your brand. Yeah. Um, just invite me. Um, and yep. I, I think they want that, that invitation in most cases. Um, but you don't have to be super rigid about the experience as a small business owner. I think uh, the rise of entrepreneurs and affiliate marketing and all these things we see uh, business turning into, I think it is that is the, the one of the final products of those Gen Zers and millennials not wanting to work for Gen Xers who grew up in that um, oppressor type boss role, if that makes sense. Talk to me about that. What's that mean? So they let's go, let's rewind a little bit. Gen Xers took a, took a job, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them and they had a, they had a boss, maybe an oppressive boss. Tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, or maybe those Gen Xers work their way up from they were climbing the ladder. Um, yeah, mentored by maybe a baby boomer even, or or um, was under the leadership of a baby boomer. We learned those skills from them. Um, the Gen Xers now leading the company, and then using those old school tools with these millennials and Gen Xers coming in. And then the Gen Xers are like, I don't want to work for someone who's going to hinder my creativity and tell me I got to be here from eight to five when I can work from home and do more productive work. And, you know, I want to um, prioritize my family. The, gen the millennials and Gen Zers are, I want to prioritize my family and not my work. And so I don't want to be on this in this brick and mortar for 40 hours a week. And as we continue to um, maybe need to let go of some of those ideas, I think the pandemic, you know, really pushed forward the idea of working from home and things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, but <clears throat> being able to uh, create their own way of creating wealth, which there's multiple examples of those millennials and Gen Zers doing that now. And, and I think people are like, yeah, I'm not going to go work at a bank for the next 30 years and, and, you know, live my life like that. And so yeah, there's... watch Tim Ferriss, write The four hour work week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And so I so think like, that is a lot of that new rich. Right. Uh -huh. And so I think um, young folks um, are saying that's not going to be the life I lead. And um, I have I have a, a nephew that goes to University of Alabama and mm -hmm. he'll be graduating soon. But I was kind of joking with my brother. I was like, you know, these uh, these Gen Zers, man, they're they're graduating from college and coming back to live with their parents and just saving their money so they can travel. And he was like, I don't know if that's going to happen here. And I'm like, you better get ready for it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this could be a whole nother episode. But well, I think a lot of people uh, just real quick, though, on that, you know, I'm going to throw some stones at the older generation a little bit. Right. Who invented the microwave? You know, like yeah. there's a reason why we all started to catch on to, oh, I can have stuff instantly. Yes, cool. yes. Right. And there's a generation of, well, I didn't get time off ever. You know, I had to work my butt off and I had to do this. Yeah. And we're like, well, yeah. great. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't. Right. <laughs> you know, so Absolutely. I think that it's a it's a balancing that has come. And, you know, for the, the more mature generation, um, I think it's an important realization that. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm on the older side of the millennial generation mm -hmm. with all siblings that are Gen Xers. Yeah. Um, if we take a step back to look at what we've created, right? We take a step back to realize that, okay, they're actually listening to what we warned them about. Yes. Um, you know, and, and trying to find their own balance. Maybe we can find a healthy way to harmonize um, in the process that works out great for everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm a... Uh... You know, I, I say we're, I'm a Gen Xer and uh, we're, we're hybrids. We, we hold a special place in, in our society, in my opinion, because we're the last generation to know what 
the old world looked like and had to transition. I think I was a junior in high school when the internet came out. So I remember all growing up, I remember, you know, the floor model TV and uh, when they came out with this thing called a microwave and when they came out with this thing called a VHS and I've gotten the transition to see where we're at now. And I think uh, being able to, if we, no one else has that place in history, but us Gen Xers wow. and, and um, having, you know, I call it the, the Ward Cleaver type dad where dad uh, went to work, mom stayed home, took care of the kids. Um, and, and uh, you know, the dad's idea of being a great dad was providing shelter, food and clothing and not a whole bunch of emotional nurturing or anything like that. Right. And so I'm, we're that last generation. Now we're more like me. I'm like, I want my son to be emotionally intelligent and uh, not practice patriarchy and relationships and things like that. That And so I, I do believe we hold a special place in our, in our society and how incredible place. What an important responsibility, you know, I'll call you out on it, man. We yeah. need you. Um, <laughs> we need the insight from Gen yeah. X because yeah, again, I, I didn't, I grew up with, you know, at least the Atari and the super Nintendo um, yeah. stuff already established. Um, but you guys got to experience life before mm -hmm. the electronics really took off. Commodore um, you 64, you remember that? Which one? A Commodore 64. It was like, uh, it was the first, like, uh, dude, that's pre me. That's what I'm is saying. It? Is, yeah. Is, that's y'all's response. I'm going to put all the responsibility <laughs> on you. It is um, your job um, to help us. Yeah. And things like that. So, yeah. Um, Good, man. Eight, well, eight, thank you so much yeah. for the insight. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up for the sake of time, but Reggie, it's okay. been a pleasure and honor to have you. And of course, uh, anybody who wants to connect with Reggie, Reggie, is LinkedIn a great place to reach out to you? LinkedIn is cool. I'm at uh, Satori Counseling on, on Facebook and um, Instagram. Excellent. All Let's right. You're getting, you're getting out there in the social yeah, media. Yeah, a little stuff, bit, so. little bit, man. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, everybody have a fantastic day. Vision Pros, um, work on your relationships. You know, put the relationships in your life first. And I would say especially your relationship with yourself. Um, yeah. Make sure you're balancing. Make sure that you are paying attention. If you've got anxiety, if you don't have a friend to talk to, give Reggie a call. Give me a call. Um, you know, make sure that you're building people around you who can help sustain you in your efforts and make sure that you are, as again, Reggie's pointed out, redefining what victories look like so you can celebrate as you go on this long journey of sustainable revenue growth. And we will see you on the other side. Everybody take care. Awesome. See ya. All right, Reggie. That was awesome. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show. It'll wrap up in here in just a second. Each platform.